Our first lesson from the Word of God is from James chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, and will also serve as the basis for our message today. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith, and to inherit the kingdom He promised those who love Him. But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of Him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture... Love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as law breakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Thus far, our first reading. Our second portion of Scripture is from Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 43. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Thus far our reading from the Word of God. God's grace, mercy, and peace be with us today as we face this whole subject of prejudice. You know, we're beginning a a new series this summer on the book of James in the New Testament. And what we're going to find out is that so much of what is inspired by the Holy Spirit in Scripture is so applicable to our culture, but also to our lives today. 
and especially when it comes to facing prejudice. We're going to find out that God calls us to confess it as we confront it, and then by His grace to conquer it. Well, first of all, let's confront this, this whole subject of prejudice and showing partiality. Stephen Covey tells the story of one time when he was riding the subway in New York City. People were sitting quietly until a man and his three children entered the subway car. The man sat down next to Covey while the children just were running wild in the car. They were, they were throwing things. They were completely misbehaving. Meanwhile, the dad just sat there in a trance next to Covey. He was just ignoring what was going on with his kids. Covey started thinking to himself, what kind of parent is this guy to let his kids run wild like this? He said, you know, we had children, but we never allowed them to act that way. How can this guy just ignore what's going on? Is he on drugs or what's going on? Finally, Covey tapped the man on the shoulder and broke the man's trance with an appeal. He said, please, could you get control of your children? The dad responded with these unexpected words. He said, yeah, you're right. I guess I should do something about them. But you know, we just came from the hospital where their mother died about an hour ago. I don't know what to think or do, and I guess they don't know what to do either. Well, Covey talks about how in an instant it moved him from a very critical attitude to one of compassion because now he saw things as they really were. Today we are confronted by the word of God to examine ourselves and it's easy now to think about those people and they and them but we're talking about me, myself. And we need to look within our own hearts, my heart, to examine my own prejudices and to see how oftentimes we also are ones who show favoritism. Our text from today comes from the epistle of James and here in this text it is very clear that faith in our Lord Jesus Christ on the one hand and then showing partiality or prejudice on the other hand is completely incompatible. James confronts the issue head on when he says in verse 1, he says, My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Pretty clear. Now, the word favoritism comes from two Greek words, which when put together mean to receive by face. It's the idea of judging others solely on external face values. Externals such as, like in our story, how someone is parenting, or the clothes they wear, or the cars that they drive, or the color of their skin, the neighborhood that they live in, the job that they have, or the church that they may or may not attend. James fleshes out the issue with a, a very vivid illustration. He says, suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. Now, if you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor at my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? 
You know, when you look at the history of this, according to Matthew 23, 6, there were very special seats, places of honor where the Pharisees and the Jews loved to sit so they could be seen. James says here, you have this usher at the, at the worship service and in comes in Mr. Wealthy, good looking. And he's decked out in, in his Sabbath best, followed by Mr. Poor, maybe not so good looking. So what's going to happen? Well, Mr. Good-looking is going to get the preferential treatment. In this case, he's going to get the better seat, right? The usher will bring them right up in the front here so that they can see everything that's going on in, in the worship service. Or not. At our church, I kid around because the most valued seats are probably not in the front. Uh, more people would rather sit in the back. But the point is, we are less than pure when we show favoritism to those who appear to have more or to seem more deserving. James says under the Holy Spirit here that when we make those kinds of judgments based on appearance, we are discriminating. Motives such as catering to people because of their looks or because of their money or their skin color or their clothes it's making a judgment with evil, sinful thoughts. Now, James helps us to confront this issue of favoritism with these three principles in our text. Verse 5 says, first of all, that prejudice is inconsistent with God's character of grace. He writes, listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich and to inherit the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? Now, this is interesting. Is James really saying that God is partial towards the financially poor? No, of course not. He's pointing out, though, that one of the great characteristics of God and His grace is His complete impartiality. He loves all people. He gave His Son for the world. The gospel of Christ is especially dear to people who are without or who are poor, because while this world may not recognize or welcome them outwardly as a poor person because they don't have that much to show in this world, God especially wants us to know that he values that person in a grace-filled way. From God's perspective, we see from time to time that God values not what's on the outside. What does God value? He values what's inside a person's heart. The Lord calls us by His grace to be wealthy, to be rich in faith. That's our great inheritance. Secondly, how do we confront this problem of favoritism, of prejudice? It's because prejudice ignores the universality of sin. Verses 6 and 7, James writes, But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? And are not they the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? Besides the fact that it was ludicrous to exalt the, the wealthy people, the very ones who are persecuting the Christians, God's people, James reminds his readers that by catering to such rich people, they were denying that the wealthy are sinners also and in need of God's grace, just like everyone else. You know, when I began my ministry here years ago in Hamilton County, uh, other pastors and 
church workers around the district uh, enjoyed a little bit of teasing. Uh, jumping on the reputation that some have of our area and saying something like this. Well, now you're in karma, Luther, where everybody's rich. As a pastor, you've got it made because those people don't have any problems. <laughs> well, I just smiled and said something like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that there is just as much sin in Hamilton County as there is anywhere else in the state. You see, the fact is, Everybody sins. Everybody is in need of a Savior. Everyone needs Jesus Christ as their Lord who took away their sins on the cross. Yes, there is level ground. We're all there at the foot of the cross. And James' last reason for us to confront prejudice as a sin is that prejudice is inconsistent with Scripture. Verses 8 and 9 say, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, which is love your neighbor as yourself, then you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Centuries before, God gave Moses what was referred to as the royal law of love. It's in Leviticus 19.18, where the Lord says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That was the law back then, and it is still God's royal law today. And yet when people show partiality and prejudice and judge people by what's on the outside, they become a lawbreaker. Scripture specifically then calls it here sin. Anyone who shows favoritism breaks the supreme law of love for his neighbor. Now, wouldn't it be nice if all of our relationships were guided by the royal law of love? But the fact is, we all have certain built-in prejudices that color our reactions to people. It's the sin that we're born with. It's the sin that we commit in our thoughts and our words and our deeds. By nature, we tend to look down on other people who aren't like us or who we want them to be. This hit home for me when I was in junior high school, uh, when our confirmation class went to volunteer at a homeless shelter in East St. Louis, Illinois. Now at the shelter, we were assigned some odd jobs around the facility, and then when it came time for lunch, my father, who was the pastor, said that we would be eating with the guests who were at the shelter that day. Well, almost immediately, there was a look upon my friends and even myself of anxiety and then questions as to whether we really had to eat with them because those people there, they didn't look like us. They didn't dress like us. They didn't smell like us. And to some, this was really scary. You see, some hold prejudices against people for lots of different reasons. Maybe against divorced people. Others against people who are overweight or against certain ethnic groups or who have been diagnosed with mental illness. Some are prejudiced against those who smoke or those who belong to a different political persuasion. Even well-supposed meaning Christians have thumbed their noses against those who fail to confess every doctrinal standard in a manner in which they believe to be correct. 
And let's be honest, these kinds of prejudices produce cliques and gossip and power-hungry groups who put emotional pressure to conform to their rules of behavior. You see, when it comes to the royal law of love, as outlined here in the Bible, we are good at attaching a lot of ifs. We'll love you if you don't speak with an accent. If you dress a certain way. If you don't have too many tattoos. If you have an education. If, if, if the list becomes endless. Well, rather than excusing our attitudes by thinking or saying, you know, how many times have you heard, well, that's just the way I was raised. Or that's just the way that I am. Today, the Lord calls us to come clean. If we say that we have no sin about prejudice or showing partiality, the Bible says that we're only deceiving ourselves. If we've learned anything from the Veggie Tale episode entitled Larry Boy and the Fib from Outer Space, it's that sin that isn't confronted grows and grows and grows. Prejudices that are left to fester in us will turn into something more heinous and ugly. But sin that is confessed is forgiven. Sin that is confronted by the Lord Jesus Christ and his glory is forgiven and cleansed. And not only are we forgiven, but then by God's power and grace, we, we, are, we are changed. God's grace makes us new creatures and empowers us to readjust our eyes to see beyond the face values of people, to see people the way that God sees people. And we can be empowered to leave our prejudices. Yes, with God's help, we can conquer our prejudice. The Apostle Paul addressed this issue in Scripture as well in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15. He writes that Christ died for all, that those who might live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. And then he draws this conclusion in verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to a worldly point of view. As believers in Christ, we, look, we don't look at people as the world looks at people. Perhaps more importantly, we don't look at people the way our heart often looks, wants to look at them. Instead, our heart is redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we don't size up people according to external face values. For those who know the love of Jesus Christ, Scripture says that there's no place for prejudice that demonstrates partiality on the outside, according to class or clothing or race or education or any other factor. To me, it's interesting to take the example of Christ himself. You know, when Jesus was on this earth, he was dismissed because of the town that he lived in, because of the occupation of his father. He was dismissed because of the friends that he hung around with and countless other reasons. Hundreds of years before the prophet Isaiah would say that he would be despised and rejected by men. That sounds like prejudice, doesn't it? And yet, the prejudicial, ugly treatment of God's only son ending up with death on a cross results in our deliverance. 
So that now for those who have the eyes of faith, who are open, as, as, as James says in verse 1, to the glorious Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation that he won for us, we can be empowered to see people differently. As God's people in Christ, we refuse to see them from a worldly point of view. God can help us to see every human being as someone created and loved by God. And with the eyes of faith in Jesus, we see people as Jesus sees them, with compassion. Yes, we work for justice when people are downtrodden and facing the evil effects of sin in our world. And yes, we see people who are broken and hurting with God and, and, and we seek to help them with God's love, to build them up, to encourage them. And it makes you, before you say something, whether it's in casual conversation or whether it's in actually talking to other people, first, as God's people in Christ, we think, how can we help this person? How can we love this person? How can we build them up? The gospel of Jesus Christ compels us to get beyond our prejudices and see people the way that God sees them, loved and redeemed by his grace. Christ died for all, didn't he? The smelly, the unattractive, the high class, the low class, those in between, every color on the spectrum, and especially you and me. The final verse of our text is profound. James writes in verse 13, he says, Mercy triumphs over judgment. A prejudiced person cannot help but be judgmental. But the individual that is motivated by the love of Jesus Christ will exude mercy in their relationships. And in the end, the extent with which you know the mercy of Jesus Christ, because you're a sinner yourself, will be the extent to which you are able to lay down your prejudices and truly care for others. By the grace of God, may God help that to be so for all of us. Amen.